0: Hey guys, if you've got your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Those songs perfectly uh, described, if you paid attention to the lyrics, uh, what we're talking about this morning. And uh, I want to read real quick just a, a quote uh, from a man named Steve Farrar. He wrote a book called Standing Tall about what a father is, a godly father. He said, a godly father is the unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. A man who has put on the full armor of God, and with that armor goes to warfare on his knees for his children. He is a force to be reckoned with that we cannot be, and we know that we cannot be with our children 24 hours a day, though our prayers, through our prayers, we have the ability to affect situations, even when we are not physically present. You may be undetected, but that does not mean you are ineffective. And so we look for godly fathers like that. You know, I don't know this morning. I know we all have different backgrounds and all have different stories. But if you had a godly father, would you say amen this morning? Praise God for that. Listen, guys. um, You know, uh, I, I, I start this off, and every year I continue a fervent prayer for the salvation of my own father. And uh, there are many like me in this place. There are also many who have lost their dads. Some of those wounds are very fresh. Um, some of you have uh, dads that are still living. Some of you are granddads and dads or great granddads. Um, and some aspire to be dads one day. And I think this uh, passage, this quote from Steve Farrar, is fitting that we want to be godly fathers. We don't want to just be dads. We want to be godly dads. And that means standing in the gap. That means when our kids aren't present and they can't always be around us, that we're praying for them, that we're fighting for them in the spiritual war, and that we are standing strong in the face of a world and a culture especially that is doing everything they can to indoctrinate our children. We have to be strong godly fathers. Women of God support men of God. Men of God, be men of God, set the example for generations to come. As we look at that, we look at one man who was a very, very strong, godly man. Uh, Did he have children? We don't know that. But Peter is writing a second epistle here. Now, here's the interesting thing about Peter's second epistle. He knows, it's been revealed to him by God, Jesus has revealed to him that he's going to die. And so this is the very last thing that he will leave on earth as a spiritual legacy is this second epistle of Peter. And so he is leaving behind something that will outlive him. We have it here today. And that is the goal for the Christian, the man or woman, to leave something behind that outlives us. Something of spiritual nature that will edify, that will upbuild, that will encourage, that will strengthen those that come after us. And so we will begin by just reading 2 Peter. I want to go back. I'm going to cover verses 12 through 18, but the stage is set really in verse 5. And so look at verse 5 with me. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement... You know what supplements are. We all take vitamins or some take protein or vitamin D to help our health. He's saying, supplement your faith. Add to it with goodness. Be a good person. With goodness, add knowledge. Knowledge of the Lord is what he's talking about. To that knowledge, add self control. Oh, how that's needed in our day. To self control, you will add endurance. And to endurance, godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He says, and this is important for if you possess these qualities, and that's a big if, you have to check yourself. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you're growing in them, is what he's saying, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As there are, that implies that there are useless and unfruitful believers that aren't practicing these things. They've trusted Jesus, but they do nothing else with their faith. And so he says, the person who lacks these, verse 9, is blind and short-sighted. We're missing the far goals of eternity in the kingdom of God. This person has forgotten the cleansing from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and this is... Really, where we're jumping in this morning, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, these qualities that he just mentioned in verses five through seven, if you do these things, if you practice these things, you will never stumble—not for good. You won't be out of out of the race. For in this way entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Now, um, I have, I do this often. I'll study out of about five translations of the Bible. and I use the King James. I use uh, the New American Standard. I'll use the English Standard. Uh, a lot of times I'll look at at least the NIV, which is a great paraphrase. Uh, it's not a word-for-word translation. And I've been using uh, a translation called the Berean Study Bible. And I check those a lot of times against the Greek, uh, from what Greek I understand. And this is what I wrote as we begin in verse 12. It won't look exactly like it's in your scripture or your Bible this morning, but you can definitely follow along with this. This is meant to be understanding. This is the Aaron Matthews translation. Verse 12. Therefore... He's saying, for this reason. What reason? He's saying, if you add all these things to your faith, if you're supplementing your spiritual health with these things, then you know you're going to please God. He said, for this reason, I'm not going to be negligent to always remind you. Who's he speaking to? Believers. He says, I will not be negligent to remind you of these qualities. Even though you know them. Man, how many of us know the Word of God? We know it. We know what the Word says, but he says, even though you know them, and even though you're established in the truth that you have been taught, I think it's right to refresh your memory, to stir you up by way of reminder, as long as I live in the tent or tabernacle of my body. (laughs) Because I know that this tent, this tabernacle, the putting off of my body will soon be laid aside as our lord jesus christ has made clear to me and i will make every effort to ensure that after my departure you will always be able to always recall and remember these things peter is talking to a bunch of believers right now in the midst of this in context about false teachers about wolves about liars about people who are making a quick buck off of the gospel and he says unlike them for we the apostles Did not follow cleverly devised myths or fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory, who's that Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Peter says, We ourselves heard this voice from heaven, When we were with him on the holy mountain, this he's describing the Mount of Transfiguration. Guys, would you pray with me real quick? There's some big duties for Christians to live out, some big qualities that are laid out here. Heavenly Father, Lord, you look upon us this morning, and I pray you're pleased with our worship. I pray you're pleased with our hearts. Lord, I pray that we don't come in masquerading uh, this morning, that uh, you see the real us Lord, that we're stripped bare. Uh, Spiritually, Lord, just disrobed. And Lord God, as you look upon our hearts and you look upon our minds, you know the deeds that we've done and the deeds that we will do. You know our our actions and our anxieties. You know our worries and our fears. Lord, you know the sicknesses that we face and um, all of the difficulties that we're going through. You know what our bank accounts look like. You know where our children are. You oversee us, Lord, as we come and go. You see us at work. You see us worshiping. You see us on the byways and and, and the roads of life in in the commerce section of the world, Lord God, in business and school and all the things that we do. There's not one place, Lord God, where your eye is not watching us. There's not one place where your hand is not reaching down to us. And you are that God. And this morning, Father, as you know us, I pray that your spirit would reach into each one of our hearts and our minds and our, our lives and really reveal to us are we adding to our faith? Father, are we using this faith, this grace that you've given us, this faith to believe for your kingdom? Lord, as these sickening days, Lord, around us, as they make. Uh, so many of us just nauseated to see the state of the world, to see the, the wickedness and people calling good evil and evil good. And Lord, we see uh, the exploitation of people and the brainwashing and, and just darkness seeming to overtake everything. We need your help, God. God, We need You to step in. We need to be better followers and we need to supplement our faith, Lord, with goodness and love, with holiness and truth. And Lord, we need strong spines to be able to stand up in the day of adversity. And Lord, I pray this anointing over believers. Lord, we pray that those that may hear this message that are not believers would be convicted, that they would be drawn to the Father by the Holy Spirit, that they would place their faith in Jesus for salvation, that the things of old... The old man, the old woman would be cast aside and thrown off and that we would run after you. Father, we need you. We want you. We invite you here. And we ask you, God, to do a mighty work in our lives. That not just the men, but especially the men, would be leaders. That we would be godly men. That we would stand up for what is right. That we would speak out against what is wrong. That we would protect our families. That we would provide for them that we would do the things that godly men do as described in your holy word. We pray for women, Lord, that you would protect them, encourage them, strengthen them. Let them be the leaders, Lord God, that you've designed and created them to be. Lord, we pray that as family units, which are so under attack today, that Satan would not have a foothold in our lives. And we pray that in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say it with me. Amen. Guys, Second uh, Peter is this letter uh, that Peter's written, and it obviously had purpose, or he wouldn't have written it. It wouldn't be included in the canon of Scripture. But what's happening is Peter's writing to believers in what is now northern Turkey. Uh, don't have a map up here, and you probably can't just say, oh, I know exactly where Turkey is, okay? But uh, if you if you look at your map, if you have a map in your Bible, you can kind of pinpoint and see where these people are in this day. And there were false teachers that were really infiltrating the early church. They had a mission. It was a satanic mission to pervert the gospel, to lead people away from Jesus, to get their followers for themselves, or maybe to make a little money in the process. And Peter is writing to these believers this short letter before his death lest they be led astray by those who would deny Christ's second coming. In Second Peter 3, you'll see that uh, these false teachers were telling believers, Jesus isn't coming again. Listen, guys, if we don't have that doctrine, we are miserable. If Jesus isn't coming again, we are doomed. I look so forward to the day. In fact, I would be thankful and glorify the Lord if he came today. How many of y'all could say that? Amen. I would love for him to come back. But you know what? He is holding back. He has, the, that, that day is appointed. That time is coming. And it is coming. No false teacher can lie to us and tell us to believe that when God himself has told us that the Son will come again. Jesus, as he ascended into heaven after the 40 days, after the, the uh, resurrection said, the angels said to the people, why do you sit there? I'll paraphrase. Why are you sitting there looking so slack-jawed? Why are your mouths open? close them. He said, that same Jesus who's ascended is coming again. And he is. And so today, we look forward to that coming. There are people that will preach and teach that, but we call them false prophets, false teachers, that they say he won't come again. Peter was also talking to believers or or to the believers to be on the lookout for those who would pervert God's grace. Some people will say, hey, listen, um, you can do anything you want to, Uh, God's grace will cover it. You can live licentious lives, you can live uh, adulterated lives, you can live in sin, you can do whatever you want to, just do it, you're still okay. And guys, we know that God's grace will help us, but we shouldn't wantonly, willingly sin. Our salvation is not a license to continue and go out and live like we used to. It is freedom from that lifestyle. And so, Jesus called Peter. His nickname, remember, was The Rock. He, He gives Peter the second opportunity to ground these believers and us in God's Word. And Peter's focusing on the need for godly living, for perseverance. He wants us to persevere. If you can imagine a life that is so difficult in that day and age, and then you fast forward to this day and age, and we look at it and we're, surrounded by creature comforts. So I was, I was telling my mom yesterday on the phone, I was out uh, mowing the yard, and I was not satisfied with the first mowing, all right? Marvin, where are you at, Marvin? Marvin's got my lawnmower. He let me use his snapper uh, in the process, and I wasn't satisfied with the first mowing, and so I went back over at the opposite direction. I was out there. Jennifer was helping. Uh, the boys were pushing their plastic mowers. I mean, we, it was a family affair. We were out there. Uh, we just didn't have bubbles coming out of their mowers, okay? But, I'm out there and um, I I get my weed eater, man, and my my weed eater is old. I used to use it years and years ago uh, when we had a mowing business. And whatever reason, uh, I get out there and, and... The line, I I lose, it's two lines coming out. One of the lines shoots out, no more line. I'm like, good grief, man. Like, the sun's coming out, and I I go over and I replace the line, and I sit, I'm sitting under the tree doing that, and then I go to start it again, and it's flooded, and I can't get it started, and I go back, and I'm frustrated, all right? Um, we, uh, We, we, we look at things in this life, and I told my mom, I was like, you know what? I said, air conditioning has made me so weak, (laughs) and it has. I used to work uh, 15-hour days, and you know, Arkansas is Arkansas. I mean, I don't know if it's hotter earlier this year or what, but uh, we didn't run the air conditioner in the truck because we knew it would make us weaker when we got back out in the heat, and uh, now I'm having to take breaks like every 30 minutes, and I'm like, good grief, man. What a weenie, you know? Uh, So I did. I took a break, and I went back out and did it later, but anyway, we have all these amenities surrounding us, They didn't have any of those. Another thing I saw, uh, there was a blue mongoose BMX racer bicycle that was put on this page. And it said, when we were kids, this is what we wanted, not cell phones. And our bicycles were our freedom. We could go to our neighbor's houses and our friend's houses. And things seemed simpler. I wonder how much simpler they seemed back in Peter's day. And yet they still had adversity, sin still existed, dangers were still very real, threats on Christians' lives were real, and today it's becoming more and more so. Christians are ridiculed in ways that we've never been, that we're hated, we're talked about, we're mocked. And it's only going to increase. And what Peter's saying here is, unless we supplement our faith with more godliness— We're not going to be able to stand in the days of adversity. Guys, we can't weaken now. We're not runners. Man, that fight or flight thing for a Christian, we're fighting. We're running into the battle. We are storming the gates of hell. We have God on our side. We're like little David that's standing there against uh, Goliath. And we don't have anything. Those stones weren't what killed David. It was God's power that killed David. But David got into the fight and ran towards that giant. And I look at it today, and I'm afraid too many churches are being watered down and are quitting on the gospel, and we've just given in to the demands of society and say, hey, anything goes. If it makes you feel good, we're going to give you an uplifting talk this morning. If, it, if it's your lifestyle, hey, man, that's good for you. God's going to honor you. If that's your lifestyle, God's going to honor you. And he doesn't. God says that he honors those who honor him. And there's a standard of holiness. And Peter set this in place through his words. He's teaching. God is a sovereign God. He's over everything. He's still on the throne. And God's grace always reveals itself to those who seek after Him. If we want holiness, He will provide holiness. If we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. And over and over, it's this seeking after God. But when we go after the world, we're forsaking so much of the godliness... And we're going into a way that is deadly. But God's redemptive work does not stop our responsibility to still carry out Christ's commands. Instead, these supplements to our faith allow us the strength, the resilience, and the perseverance to keep pushing, to keep going. I don't want you to wake up tomorrow morning and say, what's the point? This world is so dark and ugly and there's so much evil in it. What's the point in me even trying to be light? That's the last thing that you should do. Supplement your faith in that moment. If you need help in that, and sometimes we do, all of us, call somebody. Call a fellow believer. This is why the edification of believers when we assemble together is so important. Call the church come to the church. Come and say, hey, I want to get into the sanctuary and just kneel at the altar and spend time in prayer. Whatever you do, do not give up. And so, these efforts and these works, we know they didn't merit God's grace. We don't earn grace, but we still work and serve God with the grace He's given. We don't abandon God's standards. We don't Turn a deaf ear to God's commands. And Peter is reminding us of these qualities. To work out our faith. To receive God's grace freely. So that we will be grounded in the truth. And not fall victim to the lies of false teaching. You know, uh, I've never been very good at math. I just don't like math, okay? It was one of those things. And I don't know. Uh, there's some weirdos out there. Some of y'all love math. Jennifer's one, all right. Uh, Thank goodness for people who like math for the rest of us. But here's the deal. I realized really quickly um, as we progressed through grade levels in school, okay, that if I didn't know addition and subtraction, if I didn't learn how to build on that and do fractions, that come time for the year when I was taking an algebra test, I would fail that test if I didn't actually learn from the things because they build on each other in math, all right? It's not like you just jump into something and it's like, oh yeah, I get this concept. You still have to know how to do all the other stuff before it. And the same is true with faith, all right? If you haven't grounded yourself in the Word of God, if you haven't hidden God's Word in your heart, if you don't know anything about the commands of the Lord, come time for the bigger tests in life, If those things haven't been actively learned and applied, you're going to fail test after test. And that's a dangerous prospect because we're not just talking about making an F on a test in school. We're talking about failing in life, some things that are hugely important for us. And so one of Peter's main purposes in writing was to remind us that true Christians must continue living holy lives by adding to our faith these godly virtues. We must keep growing. We must keep learning and practicing and increasing in our faith. And you know, one of the beautiful things about this, and and I'm not going into the false teaching so much this morning, but before Peter points out all the false teaching, before he points out all the bad things, he's saying, you, believer, have to be grounded in the truth. You need to know the goodness of God, the truth of God, the love of God. And when you excel at those things, recognizing the false teaching, recognizing the heresy will become easy. I've said it and you've heard it. Uh, U.S. Mint does not study counterfeit bills. They get tons of examples of them every day, but they are so grounded in what an authentic bill looks like that they immediately see it when it comes across their desk, fake, real, fake, because they know the truth. And guys, that's what we should be doing. We're so acquainted and familiarized with the truth that when the evil lie is spoken, we recognize it instantly. You and I must be grounded in basic biblical teaching so we can be prepared to recognize heresy. In this passage today, Peter is speaking with passion and urgency because he was about to die when he wrote this letter. You know, a friend of mine, I'm on the Craig Strickland Foundation, a friend of mine that passed away, but there's a board member there who has a a foundation called Legacy Letters. And what he does is uh, he goes to dads and they write a letter. Maybe at this point in life, if they're alive again, after a couple of years, they write maybe a new updated letter. But they leave letters to their family members. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. So many of us are, uh, we put it as a priority to fill out our will and our testimony, or our our will and our um, whatever else you do when you die. Uh, But I like this idea of legacy letters. Because can you imagine, my brother just deployed. Uh, He got called up. um, What was that Saturday called? And uh, that's hard, man. When they deploy Uh, at least what he does is he's written a letter to each one of his kids in case he gets killed. And I can't imagine what he's saying in those things. Hopefully those letters will get burnt, you know, and torn up because uh, he doesn't have to, nobody has to deliver those to his kids. But what would you tell your kids? What would you tell your wife or your husband? What would you tell your parents or your siblings if you were gone from this life? If you were sitting there and you knew, okay, I've got one day left, And I I, want to spend it with my family. That's probably more important than anything. But all I can do is write this letter. What are you going to put in that letter? And I think that we come face to face with what Peter was dealing with. He's speaking with such passion. I mean, he's not just giving good teachings. He's telling people, this is what you need for life and godliness. He's speaking with such urgency because he's he's trying to convey to them, I'm not going to be here anymore. You guys are going to have to carry on. What are they going to carry on? Well, Peter's writing it, and Jesus has told him that his earthly life would not last much longer. You, You look at verse 14, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. Uh, Peter knew his time was short. He's putting his teaching into writing so that they'd have this after his death. And Peter did not become passive as he faced death. But instead, he worked so earnestly his last few months so that his last few months would produce lasting fruit for the kingdom. Peter was leaving a legacy. Here's what I think happens sometimes, guys. The older we get and the more confident that we are in the Lord, the less we tend to do with him. And that is a dangerous thing. As we face the end of our lives, or as we know that the days are dark and they're, they're coming to a close, we ought to be more urgent with the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Not give up on it. Because the days are so bad, we need to be doing even more to lead others, especially our loved ones, to Christ. In John 21, verses 18 and 19, Jesus had shared with Peter the kind of death he'd be forced to endure. I don't know if Peter had additional revelation about the timing of his death. But what is clear is that Peter didn't, we, none of us know the exact timing of Peter's death. And Peter, I don't know that he knew the minute of his death. None of us know the timing of our own death. Our lives could go on for many years. They might only last a few more hours. And I certainly don't say that to be fatalistic. But we don't know. What we do know is that unless Jesus returns, death is coming to all of us. And so we would do good to use this knowledge as a motivation to diligently pursue uh, God and to leave a legacy and produce fruit for the kingdom. Unless Jesus returns first, we'll all one day leave this present world behind. And so this is a big question. What will be your legacy? What are you going to leave behind? What will you contribute to the advance of the kingdom? And here's the beautiful thing about God's grace. If you're alive today and you haven't done any of that, you still can. You have the opportunity. This ship can be turned around. Your life can still leave a legacy. You might say, I I, I do not have a good relationship with my kids. That, That bridge was burned a long time ago. Listen, you're still alive. It's not final. Maybe you're the child in that relationship and you burned the bridge with your parent, your dad, years ago. It's not too late as long as you're still alive. The beautiful thing about this is that so many of us are, we're all imperfect. I I am not a perfect dad, I'm not perfect anything. But I rely so heavily on God's grace, and his grace continues to buoy me and hold me up and help me to do things that he wants me to do. And the beautiful thing about this is, too, I have a good dad. I just don't have a dad that knows and loves Jesus Christ. But here's the beautiful thing. In spite of that, in addition to that, I have a heavenly father, and I utilize him just like my dad. I'm so thankful to God that I have a heavenly father, and you do, too. Peter began this passage explaining why it's so important to make our calling and our election sure. Guys, if you don't know that you're a Christian this morning, then you are going to be so shaky in the days ahead. It's sort of like putting just a couple of lug nuts on some new tires and wheels on your vehicle. Man, it it may hold them on there, but it's not going to be very secure come later on down the road. And if you're taking a long trip, those wheels are bound to fall off. We need to make sure that everything is strengthened and tightened in Christ, that we are His children, that we're not going along in life with a shaky foundation. We can be confident in this God and what He has done for us. We'll not live our lives under his lordship if we're not confident in him. We'll not produce spiritual fruit if we're not confident in him. And Peter is so repetitive in this letter because that is how we know and remember things. The boys this week, I'll tell you something beautiful. There were 30 kids. Uh, at the Upward Basketball Camp this week. 30 elementary school age kids, um, Brian and Haley and Johnny and uh, so many uh, youth were working to make sure that was successful. And it wasn't just about teaching them the fundamentals of basketball. They were over there having Bible lessons and every day my boys came home and they had a Bible verse that they had to memorize. And at the end of the week they got to get a exchange that for a water bottle and a a candy item out of the concession stand. And so uh, it, it It's amazing how much Starburst and Skittles can motivate kids, right? But my little boys, I was bringing them to camp, uh, and Jennifer was bringing them to camp. We were alternating different mornings, and um, they were saying, Dad, Dad, we have to say our verses. And Spirit was saying, I'm so nervous because I can't remember it. And we were working on it, and so we made it into songs. Songs are often repetitive. You remember so much through songs and and rhymes uh, and uh, we, we sang it and Sperry would sing it back and he remembered the whole thing and it was repetitive but re- repetition is how we learn the Bible is repetitive because God knows we need to hear it over and over again because it applies to our lives in different ways at different times all the time and so as we come to the end of this any of you guys uh, who know who have cooked uh, and that should be everybody in this place okay men there ain't no excuse if you've never been cooking alright take Johnny Ford's example But here's what Peter's doing. He's trying to stir up our faith, especially as the end times come, as everything's coming to a boil. Peter's stirring, stirring, getting it mixed in good, making sure that with our faith we have these other virtues. Because what happens if you stop stirring the stew? It burns, right? You get some char down there on the bottom. Why are these green beans black? Why is that chicken black? because you let it burn, because it just, it did nothing else with what it was. It wasn't mixed in with the other ingredients. It just sunk and burned. And guys, as Christians, we can't just sink and burn, and God won't let us. He'll continue to stir that pot. He's going to bring something savory and delicious, not only the aroma, but the the fulfillment and the taste of what our lives bring out of that. And it's because He's stirred us. To stir is to agitate. Our lives have to be a little bit agitated in order for our faith to kick in and be used. Otherwise, we think we can do it all on our own, but we can't. And so, Peter here, verse 14, he's saying, I know I'm about to die. I'm trying to stir you guys up. I want you to add these virtues to your faith. I want you to live in the moment and leave a legacy. And what does he say about his body? Well, Peter referred to his body not as a house or permanent dwelling, but as a tent. It was going to get folded up at some point and moved on from. Just like the tabernacle, if you'll remember, they all, (laughs) I don't know why you like that word, Richard. Uh, The tabernacle was constantly relocated by the ancient Jews. You remember that when they they didn't have the temple yet and they would pack everything up so perfectly and pristinely, and each tribe was uh, responsible for carrying a certain section of the tabernacle with them? Peter is reminding us that we're not here for very long, but before we go, we must make sure that we've left a proper legacy. Jesus showed us how to live and how to die. We know that Peter died in the 60s AD. Around the time of Paul's death, and we we think Paul died around 65 AD, um, it was very likely that Peter died under Emperor Nero who was an awful, awful um, persecutor of Christians. All the other apostles died in very abhorrent ways. Peter likely died either by beheading or crucifixion. Uh, That's what history tells us. But Peter's death wasn't the main teaching here. Peter's life was. And guys, I don't want you to focus on your death. I don't want you to focus on your age. I don't want you to focus on your handicaps or your inabilities. God doesn't want you to focus on what you can't do. God wants you to focus on what you can do. And if that means that you sit and pray, again, I was on that conversation with my mom, and I think I let these words out of my mouth. I said, all we can do is pray for Kyle. And she quickly reminded me, and I'm thankful she did, because I do this to people all the time. She said, oh, Aaron, it's not all we can do. It's the best we can do. And that's true. If that's what you can do is pray, pray. Pray. If you can serve, serve. If you can give, if you can come up here this week and meet families that are sitting around waiting for their kids to get done with VBS, come up here. If if what you can give is snacks or crafts or teaching, I'm dressing up like David tomorrow night, right? I mean it's gonna be weird. I've got one of those old red choir robes that I'm using, alright? Come up here for nothing else for that. But I'm just saying this, guys. You're not too old to serve because you're not dead yet. You're not too old to give something to God. You're not too young to give something to God. Peter was spirit-led and he was sober-minded. That's important. He didn't make up junk about Jesus' life. Everything that Peter wrote, everything that Peter did was historic reality. Because you know why? Peter was not going to die for a myth. And guys, we're not going to die and spend our lives and put all of our faith in someone who is a myth. He's real. The world may mock and ridicule, let them. Still tell them about Jesus, still pray for their souls, but don't give up. Because we know what is true. The last slide, the last thing here is what legacy are you leaving? Uh, I don't have that slide. But what legacy are you leaving that will honor God? and then we'll bless those that come after you. Maybe it's your kids, your grandkids. Maybe it's your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's the church itself, someone in the next generation, those who'll carry on after we're gone. Let your legacy be one that radiates Jesus and glorifies God. Let it be full of power and faithfulness. Let it be eternal and worthy of praise. Peter says this is the legacy that we, as all Christians, Not just men of God and not just fathers need to be leaving behind. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that you've stirred us up. I pray that if any of us are starting to get a little complacent in our Christianity and we're sinking to the bottom, that you don't let us burn there. Lord, get us back up to the top. Make us something that is useful. Make us something that is uh, savory and delicious and, and fruitful, especially for your glory and honor. Lord, supplement our faith this morning. Some of us need a shot in the arm. Some of us need new hope, new joy, new freedoms, new liberties. Some of us need to be reminded of the salvation that you've given us and what it felt like to be a Christian for the first time. Some of us just need to be slapped a little bit and woke up. Some of us are carrying such heavy burdens that you never designed for us to carry. And I pray this morning that your spirit would... Give us the freedom to drop those things off at your feet. It's not ours. You'll take it. Some of us have messed up, recently messed up. And we feel like failures and we feel like we're not worthy. And you say, You're not worthy. You've never been worthy. But because of my son Jesus, you are. You don't give up on us even when we're living unworthy lives. You still love us. You still draw us to Yourself. Lord, You're not done with us. I pray that we don't quit, that we don't bail out too quickly, that we don't stop serving. Lord, let the rest of our lives really and truly be the best of our lives, that we give that to You and that You do something beautiful with it. Stir us up to faith today, Lord. Let us think about the legacy we're leaving, and let us remember that it's never too late to leave one. As long as you give us breath, and as long as you give us life, and as long as you give us grace, we have that freedom to do so. But I pray we make use of it. And we pray in all of this, God, that you're glorified. We pray for lives to be changed, souls to be saved. We pray for light to overcome darkness. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.